When you've forgiven someone, it's not done there. It's not like I've forgiven you and ta-da, it's over. Sometimes you forgive someone and then that memory or that frustration shows back up again. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you've forgotten what happened. It actually doesn't even mean that you've said what happened is okay. It's just that you're saying, I'm gonna take this noose around <laughs> that's around my neck, I'm gonna take it off, or this burden that's on my mantle, I'm gonna set it down. And it's very likely that it pops back up. And so every time that that pops back up and it triggers or it frustrates you, or you, you know, you say, I keep seeing that I have some bitterness, all that means is that's a time I have to forgive them again. And then what do you need to do if it pops back up? Forgive them again. And then maybe again, and maybe again, and maybe this, maybe this is a process that goes on and on and on. Welcome to ThinkWise, where we help driven young professionals find clarity and take action so you can create a career in life you love. My name is Christian Fagerlin, and I love diving into the secrets behind high performers. And I'm Richard, Christian's dad. I've been running a leadership consulting firm, Peak Solutions, for the last 20 years, where we help organizations develop wise leaders, build strong teams, and healthy cultures. Together, my dad and I are going to bring you conversations and stories from high performers who have taken action in their life while learning from their failures and their successes. We're excited you're here and hope that this is a space for you to learn how you can take your ideas you have for the future and turn them into productive action. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to episode three of our TrustWise series. So on episode two, we talked a lot about the trust model and the idea of integrity, competence, and compassion. And today we're going to talk all about the idea of forgiveness and how important it is to being trustworthy and giving trust. So before we begin to adopt this new way of thinking towards trust, people are going to burn us or have at least burned us in the past. So we have to learn to forgive, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think forgiveness is a critical component of being able to, well, to be a good human, to be a good friend, to not carry around burdens. And the, the visual I like to think about is that every one of us have a mantle across our shoulders, like a mantle over a fireplace. So this, we have this mantle and on this mantle are the things that weigh us down. So our fears, our burdens, our frustrations, our anger, our bitterness, our resentment, like all of those feelings, emotions, challenges, and the areas of unforgiveness sit up there as well. And so we, we cannot move through life in a, in a meaningful way if our burdens are heavy. So we need to lighten those burdens. And so one, one of the best ways to lighten a burden is to offer forgiveness to someone whose, whose weight is sitting on your shoulders. And that's not an easy thing. It's, it's, it's actually a very difficult thing, but it's a very important thing. And part of why it's so important is because the, the value of, of forgiveness is less for the other person and it's more for us. So if someone's hurt you, burned you, frustrated you, we've got to give ourselves the gift of that forgiveness. Uh, if they choose to accept it, that's fine. But just offering it is a gift for ourselves. Yeah. And so basically when, when we're choosing not to forgive what we're doing is we're showing resentment and you have a quote in the book that says resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Well, yeah, this bitterness that holds in, in our heart, when we choose not to forgive someone, you know, we're, I don't know what our expectations are, but that quote is so beautiful. It's, you know, unforgiveness is like poison, drinking poison, hoping that the other person 
dies when in fact that poison is killing us. And so that just makes another case for how important forgiveness is. And by the way, forgiveness, the cool thing about it is it's a one person game. We want to get to reconciliation and maybe we'll talk about reconciliation a little bit later, but forgiveness is a one person game. And all I have to do is offer it myself. I don't need the other person to accept it for that gift to be there for me. And I think a lot of times when we are holding people hostage in our own minds and not forgiving them, we feel like we're teaching them a lesson or giving them what they deserve. Um, But talk a little bit more about why this actually does more damage to us. Well, it does more damage to us because again, we have an expectation. We've, we've set an expectation for them. We're holding like the word hostage. I like that word because um, somehow we're putting them in a position where they can, it's impossible for them to win in our minds because we're harboring this. And so we have resentment, it's building up. We haven't let, let go. We haven't released it. And so the, the challenge with that is, is we want to get to, well, this, let's talk about it now. We want to get to reconciliation and reconciliation is kind of the Holy grail of this whole process of, of when someone's burned you and frustrated you and, and you're challenged by them. But reconciliation is in fact a, a two person game. It's like both parties have to acknowledge what they've done, that what they've done is a challenge or a problem or a frustration to the other person. And then they have to have a true repentance, a turnaround, a turning away from the way that they were doing things. So if I'm doing something that's frustrating to you and you're doing something that's frustrating to me, we can't just focus on one or the others in that to get true reconciliation. We both have to agree. We've played, played a role in that. We both have to understand that we have responsibilities there and we both have to make decisions to do something differently. And without starting with forgiveness, which you don't need me to do, you can just forgive me on your own without starting there. There's no way that we can open our hearts or our minds or our conversation to reconciliation. If we're not willing to forgive someone. Yeah. I like how you said that not forgiving someone kind of sets that expectation in our mind of what they're, what they're going to do. And it made me think of on our first episode in this series, we talked about surrendering the scorecard and not keeping score. And it's making me realize that it's impossible to surrender the scorecard if you haven't forgiven because you're going to naturally keep those those wrongdoing tick marks going. So how do you know when you have truly forgiven someone? Because I feel like sometimes I'll tell myself that I've forgiven someone, but deep down, it's like subconsciously, I notice myself still being bitter towards them. So is there a way of checking, you know, whether or not you've truly forgiven? Well, such a, such a tough question that when you've forgiven someone, it's not done there. It's not like I've forgiven you and to dog it's over. Sometimes you forgive someone and then that memory or that frustration shows back up again. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you've forgotten what happened. It actually doesn't even mean that you've said what happened is okay. It's just that you're saying, I'm going to take this noose around <laughs> that's around my neck. I'm going to take it off or this burden that's on my mantle, I'm going to set it down. And it's very likely that it pops back up. And so every time that that pops back up and it triggers or it frustrates you, or you, you know, you say, I keep seeing that I have some bitterness. All that means is that's a time I have to forgive them again. And then what do you need to do if it pops back up? Forgive them again. And then maybe again, and maybe again, and maybe this, maybe this is a process that goes on and on and on. Now, your, your question was, how do you know when you've truly forgiven someone? 
I think you've truly forgiven someone when their actions, their behaviors, their, you know, wh whatever they've done, it, it no longer is taking any energy from you. You're no longer being consumed by it. Um, one of the ways I've heard this said is that um, you're, when, when, when you don't forgive someone, you're allowing someone to live rent free in your head. And so they're living in your head, in your mind. They're having this frustration. They did something one time, but it just keeps living over and over. They're not paying you any rent. They're not having any value. And so you need to kick them out. It's like it's time to kick that challenge out. And if, if you no longer have that on your mantle or you're no longer thinking about it or it's no longer affecting you, you probably have worked through that area and the forgiveness is lasting. Um, there are times... This is why we call we call it a trigger. There's times when it's been years or months, and you haven't thought of any of this person that that you know you have this resentment towards, and then something else happens that reminds you of that, and it shows back up again, and that's just an indicator of a time that's all right. I need to care for this enemy, and I need to maybe pray for this enemy, and I need to forgive this enemy. And I'm using enemy as like with air quotes, this person who I feel like has offended me or challenged me. So when I think of this idea of unrelenting forgiveness, it almost feels vulnerable and weak, but you would argue that it's actually a strong, brave thing to do. So explain to someone how forgiving and choosing to trust is brave. Well, it's brave because it requires vulnerability. And the, the interesting thing about vulnerability, many people, Men in particular struggle with this, that vulnerability shows weakness. But if you think about, and I'm going to ask you, I'll actually ask you, Christian, think about a time when you felt like you were in a position to be vulnerable, um, to take a risk and show that vulnerability. And you don't have to share it. Just like, can you think of that time? Yeah. I encourage everyone listening. Think of a time. Now, was there courage required from you to be vulnerable? Yes. So vulnerability has never existed without courage also being right there. And Joseph Campbell, who invented the hero's journey mindset, you know, one of his famous quotes is that the cave we fear to enter has the treasure we most seek to have. And so when we find ourselves on this precipice of fear, frustration, you know, this need to be vulnerable probably is an, is an example of a time where we need to step into that. And, and unfortunately, too many people, when they find themselves on that point where they feel uncomfortable or they, you know, they have a fear, instead of stepping into it, they back away from it. And so that courage and that vulnerability to break through is oftentimes where the goal of relationships. Um, I'll, I'll ask another question. I want you to think about the people that you're the closest to in your life, Right people that maybe you would consider that you have the most intimacy. Have you ever been in conflict with those people? Yeah. Like significant conflict? Yeah, I'd say so. I would, I would argue that that conflict was what was required for that closeness. That conflict was, was what required for that intimacy. So the idea is that conflict is actually the doorway to enter into intimacy. And so when we don't have conflict, when we don't push through those fears, when we don't show vulnerability, when we don't show courage, we're missing out on the gold that's inside that cave. Yeah, that's really good. I think just 
removing that stigma towards the idea of vulnerability goes a long way. And I never thought about it that way, that I've never been vulnerable and not required courage at the same time. So being vulnerable is not a weak thing. It's a good reminder. Well, and Aristotle says that courage is the highest form of, of valor, maybe aside from honor. And so it's like every other virtue on earth is filtered through courage. So if you think of any, any virtue that you might use in your life and your relationships in your work, uh, all of them are going to come through a lens of some form of courage. And then vulnerability is directly related to it. So some people experience a great deal of guilt or shame for things that they have said or done. And so how can someone work through that? Yeah, I think, I think those emotions are important. Uh, one of them is, is, is good. The other is damaging. I like to think of guilt as guilt is like feeling remorse or frustration for something you've done. But shame is feeling like a steaming pile of poop and feeling terrible for what you did. So to have remorse for what you did is one thing to be guilt, to have guilt, but for you to feel like a terrible human because of what you did, um, it, it's, it's not as healthy and it's not as easy as telling people don't feel shame. Um, like process it. Where is that coming from? Why do you feel guilty? What do you feel guilty about? Why do you feel shame? Why do you, where do you feel shame about? And, and to really turn that into an opportunity to, to grow from this. And when we ask ourselves those difficult questions as to why am I feeling remorse and what would I do differently and what role did I play in it? You know, the, we talk about the CPA. We'll talk more about this in another episode, but a, a CPA isn't about a certified public accountant. It's these three words, cause, participate, and allow. And so if you're guilty or feeling shame or remorse about something and it's a problem, you either caused it, you participated, or you allowed it. You had ownership in it somehow. And to figure out where you had that ownership and to maintain that ownership, the very thing that got you into that problem is likely the very thing that's going to get you out of it. So, you know, what, what can you do and how can you take ownership? Uh, no one's a victim in all of this. So instead of being a victim, be, you know, truly be a victor and try and work yourself out of it by figuring out where, where it is that you are struggling. So I want to move, move into another dad advice segment and try and get some practical tips going on, on our last episode. We talked a lot about specifically under the ideas of integrity, competence, and compassion areas that we can work on those in our lives and increase our trustworthiness. But say someone who's listening right now, again, they're convinced that they need to give more trust, not make people earn it. And they understand the power of forgiveness and the being willing to give trust. And this approach is going to feel new for a lot of people. So what are some practical ways that they can start practicing this and applying it to their lives? How can you get someone to believe that you actually trust them? Well, there's, there's a couple of things you can do. One, I like to make a list, make a list of 10 people that you want to grow and improve your relationship around trust and then take the trust model, integrity, competence, and compassion. And on a scale of one to 10, identify where are you at with that person in that? So like, let's just do this right now. Think of a person, everyone listening, think of a person that you want to grow your trust in. you want to take some steps towards, um, that you actually do care that you grow that relationship. So I want you to think of them and say, you know, it, where's my confidence in their integrity? Is my confidence high, low on a scale of one to 10? What's, where's my confidence in them? 
in their integrity? Where's my confidence in their competence? Where's my confidence in their compassion? And so now that I look at, at those areas, likely one or two of those areas is an area where it's lower than the other. And so now that's what I'm going to work towards. I might work towards having a conversation about that. You know, we talked about not wanting to say no in our last episode and how, how important that is. If you're a person who's maybe not being seen with integrity because you're always saying no, but you're not following through on your commitments, then, then maybe that's an area of focus is I need to, I need to remove some things from my, from my task list or my yes list so that I can accomplish the things, or I need to go to someone who I think has low integrity and who's not following through on their commitments and say, Christian, you've committed to these, these seven things. And, you know, in the last three weeks, nearly everything you've committed to, you haven't been able to deliver on time. Um, I'm really struggling with having confidence in you're going to fulfill your commitments. And so like, think about how am I going to talk to that person about the area of their struggle or how am I going to talk to that person about how I think that they are struggling with me? So that's, that's one step towards, towards that. The other is literally what's a baby, what's a simple baby step that you could do? What's a text message? What's a written note? What's a email or a phone call where you can say one thing to that person that you know is going to expand that? I was recently talking with someone and, and, and their whole deal was they realized that their friend group reached out to this, to this person way more than this person ever reached out to them. And he was feeling bad about it. And he's like, they probably aren't trusting me as much or having low trust in me because I'm not, I don't communicate as much. And so I said, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you individually, not in a group, text each of them and say, hey, I know that you reach out to me way more than I reach out to you. And I really appreciate that you do that, despite the fact that I'm not doing the same. I want to be better at that. And the reason I want to be better at that is because you're awesome at it. And just uh, you know, find that area where you think there's maybe some tension and just take a step or two toward it. All right. So another thing you say is to relentlessly pursue other people's strengths. What does that mean? And how does that build trust? Well, people... When people operate in areas where they are strong or in areas of their strength, then work is easier, life is better, and they do well. So what I want to do is I want to be a student in what, what people are good at. And then I want to try and help them grow to that. So in a, in a work relationship, here, so here's something I know about you in your work. You're a really strong communicator, especially a written communicator. And you have a keen sense of that that most people don't have. And so that's a strength. If I'm working with you, I want to I want to make sure that you're in an environment where you're getting to do more and more of that. So let's just say your job doesn't require a lot of written communication. One of the things I might do is give you my written communication and ask for your input. I might find an opportunity where we have something big coming up where we need to communicate out to our customers. And um, we have we technically have people that are responsible for that. But, hey, let's let's ask Christian for his thought. Let's get a different set of eyes on this. And work toward that. And so finding out where people are good and helping them do more of what they're good at. And, and one of the ways that you find out what, what people are good at is, you know, what do you enjoy and what do you want to do more of? That usually explains something that is a strength of yours because we like to, we like our strengths and we want to do more of them. Yeah, that's so good. And I think also, you know, giving people opportunities to pursue their strengths show that you, you believe in them and you have 
high levels of confidence in their competence. Yeah. Um, and then talk about the idea of just getting over yourself. Well, I don't think anybody thinks about you more than you do. You know, nobody thinks about me more than I do. And so C.S. Lewis says it best. Humility isn't about thinking less of ourselves; It's about thinking less often of ourself or thinking about ourselves less, less often. So getting over ourselves is really gaining and growing our interest in others and being a humble person. And then in, you know, group organizational settings, pushing people to grow and expecting failure from them. How does that build trust? Well, when, when you expect people to grow and to, to take risks, but then they're, they're disincented to make a mistake because they feel like, you know, they're beat up for making a mistake. They're never going to grow and they're never going to take risks. So one of the things that we need to do is, is celebrate failures. And the way you celebrate failures is you talk about what did you learn from it? So when you fail, that's not a problem unless you don't learn. Now there's some things where we can't, there's, a, there's, there's some balls that can't be dropped and they need to be held with two hands and they need to be um, paid very close attention to, but there's a whole lot of what we do where there is room for taking some risks and exposing a bit of failure along the way and learning from it. So one of the things that, that we often do is hide our failures rather than expose them. So you know, if we, if we let, if we let our team know that I'm expecting you to take risks and you're not going to get it right all the time. The problem is, is if you take a risk and you don't, it doesn't work and you, and you fail and you don't share it with others or learn from it. That's the problem. And that's just a different mindset of letting people know, I want you to take risks. I expect you to fail, but I expect you to learn from it so that you fail less. And then another strategy you talk about is, exposing people to the larger process in an organization and asking them for ideas. How does this build trust? Yeah. Researchers have found that one of the greatest ways to get discretionary effort from an employee is to link what they do to the overall strategy. So, you know, line workers in a production floor and manufacturing that are making a little tiny widget. Uh, if all they think of is that they're making little tiny widgets, that's not important. But if they know that that widget goes into another widget that goes into the wing that goes into an airplane that goes onto a Boeing 747 and that they're helping people travel the world and for grandparents to see grandchildren, then they're having a, a much better understanding of what's going on. So I think it's, it's really important for us to understand what's the larger process. What are we really trying to accomplish? What's the end or the objective in mind? And along the way, share that, but ask them, how can we do this better? What, what are areas that we're wasting energy? How, what, what would you do differently if you were in charge? And just constantly ask him that. So when, when, not only when you know the big picture, but when you get a chance to make the big picture better, you trust those around you. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, thinking back to my own experiences when I'd have, you know, managers or people above me ask me for ideas, even if I didn't have something substantial to say, just the fact that they were willing to ask me showed me that they trusted me and they trust my opinion. So just that simple ask of asking people for their ideas or opinions towards something goes a long way. And then last question, just to round out this whole idea of forgiveness. Are there any people in your life that you haven't been able to forgive? Okay. Ask the hard question. Um, yeah, actually there's, there's a, a list longer than I care to admit of people that I haven't been able to, or, or in, in process of trying to forgive and, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's painful 
when you find people that just keep showing up on your, I need to forgive this person list. And, and so there's a couple of questions that I want to ask myself in this process is why am I struggling so bad to forgive and what do I stand to gain for not forgiving them? And when I ask those two questions, then I can put it into perspective and maybe, maybe I don't forget, maybe, maybe I don't, um, never have to re-forgive them, but maybe the pain from them goes down. I have one person in particular, and I don't know why this, I don't know why this is such an issue. My, you know, my senior year in high school basketball coach was this guy that many people love, but I just, I had such a terrible experience. He was such a, you know, such a, a, we had such a bad relationship and there's so many times that I'm in a situation where I'm like triggered by this challenge I had back then. And a few years ago, I wrote, like I just sat down and I wrote a letter. I didn't send it to him, but I wrote a letter to him. And it wasn't until I wrote that letter that I realized just how petty I've been in holding and harboring this unforgiveness against this coach. And there's, there's a lot of it that is uh, really rooted in my own selfishness and self-centeredness, but there's also rooted in there something that I discovered uh, along the way is that I'm a, I, I like to root for the underdog and I like to, to care for those who, you know, might be disadvantaged. And I felt like not only was this, was this coach, you know, being frustrating to me, but I felt like he was being disrespectful to a lot of other people. And and I realized that it wasn't so much that I needed to forgive him for me, but I needed to forgive him for what I thought he was doing to other people. And this was no, no physical, sexual, emotional harm. It was just like, you know, being a difficult coach. And um, one of the things in that letter I realized is that part of when I got to the end of the letter, I thanked him for those challenges because I think I'm a better leader. I know I'm a better father because I had, I had been coached by him. And I knew what I didn't want to do and what I didn't want to have as an experience for other people. So sometimes it takes us going that to that level of effort. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, thanks for your vulnerability. I'm sure people learned a lot from that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode about forgiveness. If you haven't listened to the first two TrustWise episodes, I encourage you to check them out. And yeah, I'll see you next time on the ThinkWise podcast. Thanks for joining us on the ThinkWise podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that this helps you take your life and career to the next level.